This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. This fine morning, it looks like spring out there. And Wally is in Montreal. He took in the game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll be talking to him very soon. We have in studio today Butch Carter, former Raptors coach, and ex-Leaf Lou Franceschetti. Hi, guys. Hello. Good morning. Morning, Naz. How are you, bud? Good, good, good. Uh, what we're doing, this is our 100th show, believe it or not, guys. This is number 100 of our Naz and Wally Sports Hour. So welcome here for that celebration, I guess. Uh, we have uh, – today we're going to do a roundtable. We're going to talk uh, about the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto Raptors, and the Toronto Blue Jays. A lot happening there. And um, what are your thoughts? Uh, we're going to talk about the Leafs first. Louis, uh, the trade deadline, any surprises from Toronto? Well, I think it's more or less uh, they've kept the word. They've, uh, they've brought in pieces at the start of the year, knowing that uh, if these pieces did well, they could more or less – distribute them to uh, other teams at the trade deadline and pick up some assets, which are uh, draft picks. And uh, what they're doing is, I think they have 12 draft picks this year in this year's draft. They have 12 yet. Uh, and, and they're picking up more uh, as we're talking right now because we know there's a, probably a couple more players that are probably on thin ice right now that uh, are probably looking to get traded in the next 48 hours. Butch, what did you think of the uh, deals? You you said this had to be done in Toronto, and they're doing it. What are your feelings? Well, I mean, the issue is that it has to be done, and uh, what they've really done is taken uh, players on on one year deals, and where they really had little, very little value at the beginning of the year, and anyone who needs an extra body uh, for a playoff run, they are dispersing those and acquiring back assets that they wouldn't normally have, but. You know, the story on assets, because I've sat in that room, the issue at the end of the day is that, you know, assets are assets are like ashtrays. Um, you've got to get the right, pick the right people, and that's a continuous process. Um, they are purging um, the roster, as they should have, you know, over the years before, so that this we wouldn't have to go through this now. But it is what it is, and... Um, but the assets or the pieces have to turn into real players eventually. Yeah, the, the draft picks they're getting, they're second round and above, right? And how many how many really good players come out in the second round? They have to get lucky, too. Is that correct, Lou? Well, I think you're, you've probably got a better uh, percentage of, of getting a second rounder than a first rounder because the first rounders are so much upside to them and you really don't know what you're getting. The second rounders are the, guy that are the guys that are more or less left behind and if you look in the National Hockey League, you look at Duncan Keith, you look at uh, Shea Weber, those are pretty good second-round yeah. picks. Uh, and there are a lot of second-round picks that are playing in the National Hockey League. Mark Toffoli, uh, you know, another second-round pick with the L.A. Kings. So, But I think uh, it's one of these things that 
what the Leafs have done is they've rewarded the Toronto Marlies with the season that they've had. They want to take a look at the kids. Uh, you know, when you lose only ten games down there, you must be have you must have some pretty good hockey players down there. And what they're doing is they're they're going to give some of the kids uh, a chance to see if they can actually step in and be insurance policies or even maybe uh, front liners next year. Uh, Wally, are you there? Here it is. Uh, <laughs> listening to this. Good morning, gentlemen. How are how are you, Lou? And how are you, Butch? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. And I think uh, Lou, you hit the nail on the head. You, you know, you gotta find, you gotta find those uh, blue chip guys in the second round. And of course, the Leafs have never had a history of doing that. You know, their scouting has been horrendous over the last 15, 16 years. They've never seemed to have ever been able to find somebody in in those late rounds. And that's the key. And I was I was reading online yesterday about the the Chicago. Uh, Winnipeg trade for Andrew Ladd, and, they, and um, Winnipeg got back uh, Chicago's first-round draft choice, and it's obviously uh, going to be one of the last picks in the first round. You know what the odds are of that first-round pick uh, from 20 to 29 ever being a significant player in the NHL? It's like less than 10%. So that's that's what the Leafs are facing. So you know what? I agree with you guys. Uh, they set out. Shannon had a plan. Lamarell had a plan. Butch, you're entirely right. They fulfilled the plan, and now it's up to their scouting. They got to find in all those second, third, fourth round picks. They've got to find three or four bona fide stars, and if they can do that, then um, you know this, they're going to look like geniuses. And you know the, the whole key to the whole thing, of course, was getting Fanuf and Kessel out of town, getting that salary out of town. And, uh, you know, they pulled that off. So, you know, I, you know, I, I, I congratulate Lamorell, Shanahan, uh, Hunter, Dubas. They did what they set, set out to do. They, they tore the thing apart. And hopefully now they can, uh, they can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. One more to go is Joffrey Lupo. I understand they're going to buy him out, Wally. What was the atmosphere like in Montreal well, last night? Well, let me tell you, I, it was actually, it's a, I crossed another one off my bucket list. I've sort of, in the last few years, uh, gone to different arenas in the NHL, and it was actually my first time ever, if you can believe that, at the Bell Center. And the first thing I noticed is uh, there's a buzz in the air in that crowd. I mean, and then we've talked about it, Nas, a few times. The, the ACC is the worst place in the NHL to watch a hockey game. Not not necessarily from a building or or uh, logistics, and not from a building point of view, just from an atmosphere point of view. I mean, you walk into the Bell Center, and there's a vibe. People are there, and when the game started, everybody's actually in their seats. <laughs> like, when was the last time you ever saw that at the ACC? You walk in, and like, you know, for the first period, the seats are half empty, and everybody is actually watching the game. And uh, you know what? Uh, it was a lively crowd. You know they haven't given up on their Habs yet. And I don't know if you've noticed in the last uh, well, Habs are undefeated the last four games. I think they've gone three zero and one or something like that. They haven't lost in the last four. They've snuck up. They're five points out of a playoff spot this morning. So you know they haven't given up hope. And uh, you know to answer your question, it's, it, it was a thoroughly enjoyable um, place to watch a hockey game. The game left a little bit to be desired because it almost felt like. Uh, like it was the you know the Toronto Marlies against whoever the Montreal uh, AHL team is nowadays. I think they're St. John's, or I think they moved from Hamilton, if I'm not mistaken. And but it was a you know what it was a fun place to watch a hockey, and we had a good time. That's good. Any the any of the call ups impressed you at all? 
the the Leaf call-ups the or the yeah. Montreal call-ups? No, the Leafs. I, I really don't care about You know, the, the guys, <laughs> you know, it was sort of a little buddy's trip uh, celebrating an event and, uh, you know, sitting with the guys, watching the game. A um, couple of guys, uh, Leipzig seems to impress guys. You know, this Josh Levo kid that you and I talked about about a year ago, uh, somebody, you know, I, I read a comment. They, they think he may be a better NHL player than an American Hockey League player. It's sort of counterintuitive. But, um, you know, I don't know if you saw the goal he scored against Carolina the other night. Um, it was a beauty. Yeah, it was a beauty. Seems like he's got some skill. Uh, Leipzig looked good. Um, you know, the rest of them, what can you say, Ness? I mean, they've, you know, they're not, none of those guys are going to be stars in the league. You know they're going to fulfill. They're going to fulfill the third and fourth lines on a go-forward basis. You know, and then it's up to the Nylanders and the Marners and uh, the skill guys. You know, and I got to tell you, the other guy, and they're talking about him tomorrow's at the trade deadline. Nazem Kadri. Naz, we've talked about Nazem Kadri and watching him last night, and he's he's one of those guys in the Leafs. You know, he's he's controversial, but he's one of those guys. He's got a little bit of piss and vinegar in him. You know, excuse my language, but. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's one, he brings it, you know, he, he seems to have changed under, under Babcock and, uh, you know, he's looking to hit people up out there and, you know, I don't know if you saw the hit again, in the Carolina game and he got into a few scraps last night. Uh, I'm kind of hopeful we, they don't move him out of town. I'd, I'd be sorry to see him go. I don't think there's room for him, Wally. And we talked about that in yeah, the I last don't. show there, you know, if they're going to sign Stamkos, which I think they're going to. And Nylander is a center. Is Kadri a third line center? Does it, he doesn't no, he, fit. He's he doesn't not a third fit. line center. You see, you know, he's a he's a two. He's a two. And you know, I, I agree with you know, Nas, I agree with your analysis. Um, if they sign if they sign Stamkos, and I'd like to hear what Lou has to say about that. If they sign Stamkos, which who do they get rid? They got to get rid of a center. I I would I, I've told you a long time ago, guys, that Kadri uh, is not part of this future here, and the only reason why is. Um, is that he just doesn't bring it every single night. He's changed under Babcock, but there are some games that uh, I, I would say probably the last three or four games were probably one of his best games that he's played all year. And then you, there's out games out there that he just, just doesn't show up. But it, he's you know, just when, when he plays, Lou, he's, there's a grit to him. He's, there's sandpaper to him. And the other players on the, on, on the ice got to keep their heads up. Um, he's unpredictable, I'll tell you that. Well, you, Do you want to lock a guy in for five or six years at $5 million, uh, per year yeah. for like that? Well, you're going to have to come down and see what choices you have. I mean, and then they, well, you got to determine whether the young guys are ready next year, right? Yeah, well, if we're looking at Stamkos being number one and Nylander number two, I think the perfect third-line yeah. centerman is going to be Bozak. Bozak? Because he wins 60 to 70% of your draws, yeah. and you know how puck possession is so much of this yeah. game now. And I then you bring in even a Peter Holland as a fourth-line center, who's a very skilled... I remember Peter as a 15-year-old. Yeah. This kid's got unbelievable, talented... Skill, he you know, it's he's got first and second line skill. The thing is with him is he just doesn't play it in at this level, yeah. so he's I a mean, perfect they, fourth liner. Yeah, but you know what? They've got to find. Uh, they got some. You know, get rid of a guy like Kadri. You've got to, You've got to find a couple of power forwards on this team. I think at some point the Leafs got to add some size somewhere. Well, there's two uh, Finnish players that are pretty big uh, in the draft, that, and I think they have to wait until the draft for this to happen, right? Because they'll know what the what the situation is. If they get Austin Matthews, he's a center, and he's going to be your number one, so yeah. number one, number two, number two center. Well, Stamkos would be number one, but he'd be in the number two center. And then well, tell what you. do you do? Yeah, Naz, you know what? They get Stamkos, they get Austin Matthews. Uh, 
You know, they have Marner still sitting good, in London. They? They're starting to look pretty good, aren't they? And uh, talking about Austin Matthews, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the Leafs aren't in last place anymore. The, the Edmonton Oilers have managed to fall a point behind. And uh, <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine if the Oilers win the number one pick again? Again? Um, you know, I don't know what the NHL was thinking about. And we talked about it, Naz. I don't know what the NHL was thinking about last year when when McDavid went to went to Edmonton. And we talked about they should have changed the rule. That was four. In six years, number one overall. They get Austin Matthews, five and seven years, number one overall. It's just, does the NHL not want to move some of their young franchise players around? Like, why would they allow this to happen? Yeah, well, Wally, have, how do you do yeah, it? Right? They're going to have to do it anyways because the salary uh, you're cap's going to catch them. You're going to do it the way I suggested last year. And uh, is the, you, 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 you know, you can't do it now. It's too late. I mean, you can't, you can't change the rules in the middle of the game. We said they should have changed it last year before the season started the way you do it is you don't allow one team to have the number one overall pick pick let's say more than once every three years or more more than once every four years just make it a rule you yeah, know but it's not uh, it, butch what do you think about the, that the issue at the end of the day is that it does it hasn't made a difference in edmonton well because of, right. because all, of incompetent all, management i mean well, up until this year yeah, but I mean, uh, I mean, the, the I mean pro- they just don't know how to manage assets. The problem, the problem, they're not assets. The problem at the issue at the end of the day is at any time, whoever you pick, wherever it's, it's a, there's a ton of risk with it. And the reality is, you know, so what? They can pick seven, eight times number one, right? The only reason they're there is because they're a bad team. So oh, now, no. now they're now they're in reverse mode because the salary cap is going to choke them because they've got guys going into their second contract and they've done nothing. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you, Butch, but, you know, the NHL, you're trying to grow the brand, okay? You're trying to grow the brand. And, I, you know, I get it that, you know, you, if you finish last, you, you, it's the roll of the dice. I get it. It's, it's a lottery. But at some point in time, you just got to turn off the luck and say, like, you know, you've got some of the most marketable young assets. And I'm not talking about when they're into, when they got the chance to move, when they become UFAs. But you got, and you know, when they're in their early 20s, some of the best young assets in the game, and they're all concentrated in one place. Like, I, and like, is that in the best interest of the NHL? No, you like, have you want, do you want Austin Matthews in Edmonton next year? Well, like, well I, I'm to, sure Edmonton does. That's for well, sure. I, I'm sure it does. But is the NHL, you're trying to grow a brand. Don't you want to move some of these assets around the league? I mean, well, enough is enough. Wally, there's a couple of things here that Edmonton's really been unfortunate. Uh, one, they drafted all the same kind of player with well, that's with the first pick overall. You know? that, that is management, and, that, and that's that's what we, Naz and I were talking about. If you can't build a franchise in five years, you don't deserve to be you don't in this game. The number one pick. I mean, and and then two, the unfortunate thing is, is every year that they've done well, they haven't had a chance to draft a, a Seth Jones, Seth Jones, and an Aaron Eckblad. And the stuff that they actually need are two big right-handed shot defensemen. That that are but, very rare in this league, Louis. The mistake, the mistake the Oilers make. Okay, I get it that you when you got the number one pick. Okay, the year they picked, uh, the year they picked uh, Florida picked Ekblad. He was the, he was the best player in the draft. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. why he got picked. Yeah. Every year the every year the Oilers pick, they pick the best player in the draft, and that's you know conventional management one hundred and one. That's the conventional wisdom. You take the best player available and butch you can correct me if i'm wrong but then when you do it and then when you collect too many of similar type assets you move them 
But right? does that ever happen in basketball? Uh, when yeah, it happens all the time. The prop the problem is, um, I just got a phone call from a writer doing a story on the uh, on the great Bulls team, and this the game that they won to to get, to take the record for all time wins was against a team I was assistant coach in Milwaukee, and a guy asked me like, you know, what was it like? And I said like. I said, I can't talk to you. Let me go. And I had to go find my notebooks from Milwaukee. And I went through it. And, and my pregame notes were, we were totally unprepared to beat the Bulls and stop the streak because we had drafted so poorly. We drafted Todd Day and Sean Respert. All right? We, we used three drafts for one position. We ended up having Ray Allen, Todd Day, and Sean Respert in consecutive drafts, all right? So we were nowhere near athletically available, I mean, uh, to, to compete against that championship team. So it happens all the time. And and in my notes, I told him, and two of those guys, we had no say-so in. Dunleavy was the head coach and the general manager. He kept to himself what he was going to do until it was time to push the envelope and tell them in New York who we were drafting. And all of our notes like we passed on Robert Horry for Todd Day. So it happens all the time. You will get someone who gets that job and they'll say, this is my one chance to do my thing, all right? And they flat out ass do it. There's there's no rhyme or reason to – because what you have to do is draft based on who are the three or four best teams in my conference, and i got to get a guy that can compete against those three or four top teams. If you don't get that kind of asset – all right, you're basically going to the bathroom. So you're saying you pick by need and not by actual talent. You pick by competitiveness. You need you need to be able to compete. All right, you can't stack assets on top of each other. All right, the reason that I pushed to draft Vince Carter was that we had Doug Christie and Tracy McGrady, but I came from a high school background where I wanted versatility. No one was going to be locked into one position. Doug and, and Vince would take the weight, and then when Tracy came along, I was going to play the three of them together, which no one even imagined that we would do. But it got my longest, best athletes on the floor for more possessions. So the re- that's why I always say the draft, you know, you have to draft. If you really believe in analytics, half the games are friggin' lost. So if you draft a kid that's going to keep you in the lower half, I mean, you're, you're not going to get anywhere. You, you really Guys, have. we have to go to commercial break. We'll be right back uh, after the commercials. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice.
Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. And uh, we're going to go from uh, drafting NBA players to the actual NBA and the Toronto Raptors. On Friday night, the Raptors uh, were down 10 points against the uh, hated Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. And they came back and uh, beat them 99-97. Butch, what do you think of the game Friday night? Um, I thought that Casey did an outstanding job of managing his group. He kept he kept the ball in his hot player's hand. But I was more impressed that two Raptor players went out to, to the locker room hurt and came back. You know, it's more of a hockey, you know, but in all the times that I've watched them, players, lots of players have gone to the locker room and never come back. And they actually had two guys. And DeMar Rosen made a key play. He came back in. He was sick. He wasn't feeling well. He made a – he caught a ball, made a left-hand layup. He, you know, I've been critical of him of not being able to score with his left hand. And then the next play, he realized how hot Kyle, Kyle was. And Kyle threw him the ball, and he pitched it right back to him. Kyle got fouled. So they kept momentum in their room. And it's really important for all sports teams that once you have Mo on your side – to keep it going, and uh, the Cleveland coach, really inexperienced, made two boneheaded mistakes. First one, they're shooting a free throw, missed a free throw, Biombo rebounds, you foul him. Foul him, didn't foul, Toronto calls timeout, Casey gets ahead of him, puts the ball in Kyle's hands, 
Kyle uh, gets fouled or makes a shot or makes the, the big two-pointer. So now he's got a short clock. Uh, he takes the he inbounds the ball on the wrong side of the court. He's got a right-handed inbounder throwing it in, on facing the basket on the left side. So that means he's got to throw the ball and cross his body. Um, just just young coach, really inexperienced, and the Raps momentum got him. Kyle Lowry, forty three points. Has he reached another level, Butch? Uh, well, you know he needs to go through a spell. Normally, when you go through one, you want to keep the guy hot. You know. You know, you, we watch what's going on with Curry, right? So he, he goes on the road. He makes, I think, in one game he makes 10 threes. He made 11, and then he goes to Oklahoma City. Big game on the road, he shoot, makes 12. <laughs> so in my mind, is, is it a one-off or is it, you know, again, it's really important for good sports teams to keep momentum, what I call, in in the locker room. And they need to keep it going. And, and historically, they've not been able to do that. Now, we were talking about Del Curry and his 12 three-point games. How do you defend a guy like Del Curry? Well, um, his son, Steph, who's... who's oh, who's, Steph, that's, sorry. That's fine. That's fine. There's no problem. I'm thinking Del Curry. Yeah, Del, Del could make shots, but God, dog, man, he's got to be proud of that kid. Um I don't know if you can't stop him in the days in this day and age because you can't foul him. Historically, if you go back, we would just take him out. Somebody would, you know, pick him up full court and whack on him the whole time, get in his head. Officials will not allow that. He is the face of the NBA, uh, especially for families uh, and kids, and the NBA is not going to let any player take him out. Um, He's gone through three years where he's never hit the floor in a game except when he went for a shot fake in a playoff game. So – Louie, you would understand that. You know, you, you know when a guy's hot, you know, someone's got to burn him. And, re, you know, regardless of the cost, think of the hit that Carl Malone put on Isaiah, you know, when he's smoking John Stockton. But in this day and age, it's not going to happen. I also remember Maurice Lucas, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you, you've got to make the guy pay the price, whether you slap his hand or you grab his finger, do something, get in his face that, that's more or less going to ache it. You do it one more time, you're going to get one more worse. Yeah. And it's just one of those situations where the NBA is not going to allow it to do it. And unfortunate or unfortunate for whatever reason, um, you know, he can pretty well do whatever he wants. Guys, do the Raptors have a chance to go to the finals, Louis? The Raptors? Yeah. They have a chance to beat Cleveland. That's who they're going to have to beat, I'm sure. Uh, I think they do. Uh, they've got uh, what they've lacked over the last couple of years. They've got some uh, inferior uh, uh, people along the, board, uh, the glass. Uh, the one thing that they have to worry about is they better make sure that they've got somebody and that if Dwayne Carroll comes back, that they're going to have LeBron James because I don't think uh, um, Irving and, and Love can do it by themselves. Uh, LeBron can, and he's going to be the main guy. If you can eliminate him, uh, I think they do have a chance because they do, they do pretty well uh, as a team. Butch? Well, they get a really good whistle, and in the playoffs they don't get the whistle. But, you know, you... We're at, we're talking about a team that that has not won a playoff series, so it's hard to project them. You know they because this this is what I honestly feel. All right, they've been unprofessional. The players, right? Players win playoff games. Yep. All right. You you've got all the plays. You know everything, and players have to be mean enough and tough enough to take the other team out. And they have not. We've seen playoff series where, 
you know, you talk about Kyle dropped 43, but we've seen where, you know, he's not making shots and he gets himself in foul trouble in the first quarter. So they've been extremely immature in winning playoff games. The players, there's nothing the coaching staff can do. You know, I lived through it. You know, we did everything possible, but our best players shot 30%. So, you know, players, when you get to the playoffs, it has to really mean something inside the locker room to the players. And then you can evaluate the coaches if there's something they can help them with. But, you know, right now we're talking about, you know, an organization that, you know, from the, the, this group, they haven't won a play. They haven't won a playoff series. So you uh, do they have the veteran presence? I don't think they do to 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 go to the final. Well, Masai went out and got three guys to help, Scola, Biombo, and Damari Carroll. So, you know, I think that's the best he could do in one summer, right? So, uh, unfortunately, you know, you need your players. They have to be able to play. They have to be available, you know, hockey, baseball, basketball. Damari Carroll is not available right now. So, you know, it's it's a little tougher. Uh, Paul Pierce killed the Raptors last year. They seem to always, when they get into the playoffs, somebody kills them that's a veteran's presence. Like I said, the, the, to win at every playoff level, it must be extremely personal for the players. Coaches do not win playoff games 90% of the time. Um, it has become important to the players that from their summer workouts into their winter play that they are so pissed off that they overcome all the things that can go wrong and become victorious. And stay away from the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> yeah, they can't beat the Bulls. What's that all about? I mean, but, it, it, you know, they, they play with three guys, the th- three guys out with the Bulls, three of their main players, and – Raptors still can't beat them. Jimmy Butler is a personality that they've not been able to overcome. You you know, they've always been deficient because the Raptors' best wing player is not the best defender. And Jimmy Butler imposes his will upon the, when he when he is played against. Now this is this has gone on for the Bulls beating the Raptors has gone on for about a ten year window. Right? That they have just beat the snot out of them. Yeah. So that's why I always said, I don't care what their record is. What are their records against winning teams? That's that's the most important thing because those are the Joes you're going to see in the playoffs. So all this, you know, fake momentum that, you know, you try to present um, to people for any sports team, all right? In, in Toronto, it's really cost them because they've always said, well, you know, we can fake them and tell them, you know, it's the Leafs or, you know, it's the NBA. But the reality is that, those U.S. teams, when they play, they don't. They couldn't give a hoot. You think Montreal gave a hoot that they're playing the Leafs last night? You know, it's it's entirely different in the field of play than it is on the radio let's, or the television. Let's go to the Blue Jays here. We're gonna go to the the next segment. We're gonna start it now about the Blue Jays. Louis, what your your comments on Jose Bautista on this show have been immense about him. What do you think of him coming out on Monday asking for $30 million for five years? I think he's just written his one-way ticket out of the city after this year's over, and I will pay for the limo to get him out of here. <laughs> Butch? Well, I don't know why Louis feels that way. I, <laughs> I wish we could keep all of them because it's not about money. It's about winning. They're at us. They're, if it's about money, then in Car- Kim Kardashian and Baptiste are going to be gone. Right. If it's about winning, then you keep and you add. 
Now, Boston and the Yankees have proven that. You're playing in the toughest division in baseball. So if it's about the business of making money, then just tell people the truth, and you're going to have to ship people out. This whole thing about what a guy's contract is worth, it doesn't make any difference in sports what a guy makes. It really doesn't. The issue at the end of the day is, does he perform at the standard to be successful for the team? Well, he single-handedly brought the Jays back and almost did it in Kansas City. And yeah, but Louie must not have that, no, that TV no, station. Louis, Louis, <laughs> you, know, you know what it is? I, I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a problem with him making the money. And he might have earned it uh, last year, and he might have earned it the last uh, four or five years. What I don't like is I don't like an individual to put the name on his back in front of the name in the front. This team last year, at the end of July, was nowhere making the playoffs. They went on that run in August and September only because they made a few deals to Lewitsky and mainly David Price. Okay, so they're really they're the, they're the same team that they had last year. Now, here's a guy that's going to come out and say, well, listen, I want five years at $30 million, and I don't care. There's no, no negotiation at all. What does that tell me about him as an individual? That tells me that... Sure, I have done more than my last contract was paid for, right? And this is the money that I want. So you're putting yourself in front of the team. I don't mind Batista making the money. He probably deserves it. But he's not. I'm not going to give a 36-year-old $30 million when I'm giving guys like Giancarlo Stanton, Mike Trout, players of that age, that kind of money. If he was Josh Donaldson's uh, age, I don't have a problem with that kind of money because he's earned it. I just have a problem of him coming out at the beginning of the training camp, at the age that he is, and putting himself as the main focal point of the team instead of the team. After what the team came through last year, now it's all about Jose Batista. It's not about the Toronto Blue Jays. That's the problem that I have. Okay, so here's my counter to that. Every player has a right to say what he wants to get, right? Yeah. It seems to me it's more of a dysfunction between TSN and Rogers baseball team. That was a TSN story that they won't turn loose. All right? The reality is that all players ask for unreasonable to be unreasonable. All right? Because you can't get it unless you ask for it. Well, you're you're absolutely right. All but right. why why has it made why has it been made public on, on Jose's part? And especially after the year that they've had. And I I guess I've always had a bad taste in my mouth about Jose because he because he puts himself in front of the team. He's been a, a drama queen. It's every ball that's thrown at him is a ball. There's no strikes. How many uh, times has he been thrown out of a game questioning a third, uh, a third call strike? I don't, on my team, I don't, I, I don't need an individual like that. Uh, I would rather deal him, and they could be a much better team if they trade him to get the assets that they need. Go out and get Jay Bruce. They need a left-handed bat. In the lineup, they need some more pitching in the lineup, or they're going to end up exactly where they were last year, fighting off the Boston Red Sox. Batista's been one of the best players in the last five years. Don't you agree? Yeah, but the the issue is what Louis is stating is Batista, he knew what what hailstorm was going to happen when he he did this, right? So the the reality is uh, he wants to know sooner than later if he has a chance to make a bunch of money. Also, by by drawing the line in the in the sand, he's also letting all the other teams know that he will be available. So now his agent can start fielding calls. And, the, and the, normally the way you do that as a general manager is you have an agent, he's got 10 players. You call in to him and say, ask him about the other nine, right, so that you're not tampering, all right? And the agent will tell you, oh, yeah, by the way, that's my 10th guy that you just heard, all right, is, is definitely he's, – he's letting them know if he's definitely going to leave, all right? Um, 
Louis's passion uh, about the team, all right, is consistent with a lot of people. And Baptista, think about it. He lost his GM, who's taken care of. He did who did his deal. His GM is now with the Los Angeles Dodgers, who's been writing some huge checks. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> right, hey, and, and Pugh's going to be heady. coming the other way, he's and, and he's Dodgers he's got a lot heady. of pitching. Yes. He's <laughs> so, heading to LA. Know, yeah, it's it's just one of those things that uh, I wasn't a great player, but I was always a team player first, and my team went before my personal stats. And when somebody comes out, and if he doesn't get off to a good start, you're going to see the you're going to see the boo birds jumping all over him. But I mentioned this uh, to you earlier. I see Bautista. Yeah, he's 35, 36, but he looks like he's 30 when he's playing. It, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. It, 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 yeah. yeah. it doesn't make any difference. You can, you can, you can pull all the 35-year-olds and then look at, look at their production, right? So I would think outside of uh, Hank Aaron. Um, Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, sorry, Barry Bonds. Yeah, so it's, so it's so it's slim and none, all right. And I think what he said is that this is my last deal. I want the best I can get. Right, right. and if I, I look, you can't get it in Toronto probably because the dollar's gone the wrong way by thirty five percent, right? So you, you've got a Canadian team; its revenue is in Canadian dollars. It has to pay its players in U.S. dollars. You can't hedge that far enough. So it doesn't make a difference. They made fifty million dollars. They probably when the dollar went the wrong way, they probably lost thirty-two million dollars. So you know, on a go-forward basis. So the issue at the end of the day is that in Canada, we've always operated on less operating money because our revenues are in Canadian dollars than our U.S. Uh, competitors. So we have to accept from that standpoint alone. I thought it was impossible. But he was just putting a stake in the ground saying, will someone else be stupid enough to pay me? So he doesn't get $30 million, He gets $20 million. Well, Price got over $30 million and so did... Uh, He's 29 years old and they're pitchers, left-handed yeah, no, but they, pitchers. They did get that $30 million, though, right? And well, he, he pitches every five days. Well, here's, here's a player... He plays of, every day. Here's a player of example. Chris Davis, $22 million over seven years. If Batista went in and said, okay, this is the kind of money that, that I want, that's negotiable. But Chris Davis also took a big deferral. Yes, he did in his yeah. money. Right, yeah. Chris. Chris Davis basically yeah. was that this. This is my my retirement plan. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. signing long term. I understand we're in a smaller market in Baltimore. And I'll take a deferral out to. I think 52 years old. Yeah. Was what he took wow. the deferral out to. Yeah. All right. So uh, it it is a, it is a uh, uh, hometown discount, but it's structured so that. Krista said, "Hey, and said, why do I need all that money? All right. So, what do you it? what do you guys think they could get for Bautista if they trade him before the year is out? Do you what do you think they can get for? Him? Uh, well, well obviously, the, the asking really price happen. and what what they're going to get are probably two different things. Uh, it depends on how long this thing plays out. If you're going to go right to the deadline, and Jays are nowhere near making the playoffs, you could probably see you're going to look at a second or third uh, number two or number three starting pitcher, plus a top." maybe two, three prospects uh, on that team. If you lose them, all you're going to do is you're going to get a top pick, a first-round pick in the, in the draft next year. Which and would be a high pick in the first round because of doesn't the necessarily, No, it doesn't necessarily no, because the right. first top, the top six pl- teams are, are protected yeah. against yeah. Uh, the first overall. Right. So, no, I, I mean, high, I mean uh, high meaning the 26th or the 25th pick. Okay, yeah. A, yeah, you're right. I don't nine. think you can do Baptista until you – you do a deal for Bruce, right? I think they were looking for balance, right? So 
someone's physical screwed up. That guy strikes out a million times. He'd be very uh, interesting in Toronto. He, I don't know if he would be a good addition to the. Well, I agree. The I agree with you. I didn't understand why you would go get this guy unless you were going to move in Kardashian or Baptista. But my thought process for them to get balance. Look, they bought a manager in. They bought a guy who says, hey, here's the corporate line. This is what we want done. And that's what he's going to do. So, and the way you normally set yourself up is you go and, if you're going to slide down, you go and protect yourself by, what do we need? We need a right-hand bat or left-hand bat. So that was a left-hand bat. They were also, I don't understand why they, they sent the, 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 uh, the, our leadoff hitter to Washington. To me, that was the dumbest move. All right, Ben came here, and when he moved into the, the number one position at leadoff, he, we were wearing people out because he was on base, and then all of a sudden you're looking at, at Hell's Row behind him, and they ship him off to Washington. So I think, in my opinion, that was the first transaction that I really questioned because you, you went and got a guy who wasn't closing in longer, extremely competitive kid from Indiana, Storm. So, you know, whatever it's going to be is not what we're seeing right now. That's in my mind, that's clear. But to give uh, Ben away and to me didn't make any sense. Yeah, they they didn't. I didn't. I th- I agree with you. And uh, they didn't use him uh, like they should have either. But with his speed, he should have been able to steal more. And Gibbons doesn't like to steal bases for whatever reason, right? That should be part of your. Uh, well, you got murderers row in front of you. Why would you want to steal a base and no, throw no, it, but, get thrown out, right? But you know what? They have to. They have to uh, use his, his speed too, right? He was his percentage, his stealing percentage, was like eighty three percent, and that's pretty high. Well, hey, we all understand that, but what what they're thinking is they're going to be like the Earl Weaver Baltimore Orioles of the seventies, and they want to beat you with a three run homer every single time. They don't care about speed because they're going to move Pilar up into the leadoff spot. So it's just one of those things that what they're thinking and what the other eighty or a hundred thousand other people are thinking are two different things. So, guys, what happens uh, if the Jays uh, come out of the gates slow? Uh, what happens to John Gibbons? Is he safe? He should be. I mean, he should be. They, why would why would it change? They've come out of the gate slow the, <laughs> the well, prior No, two because years. they were ready to fire him last year after about 30 games, and then he went into Washington and swept Washington, and it just turned around for him. So you're giving him the whole, the whole year then? I think they're going to give him the whole year because with the lineup that they have right now, they're going to win games 9-8, 9-7. They don't care as long as they're winning. Their, their pitching staff's going to take a beating. Uh, if some of the young kids don't come around, uh, and you know, and the jury's still out on Sanchez, the jury's still out gonna be on, on Hutchison, and those are the two more or less wild cards that they have. Let's talk about their pitching. Uh, they they lost Burley, right? He's he hasn't retired yet, but I think he's going to. Have they done enough to patch up the losses that they had in the pitching staff? I agree with Louis. The biggest question is uh, Sanchez. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence in Sanchez because our catcher did not, not have a lot of confidence in Sanchez. And so when you've got the kind of catcher that we have, and he is very unconfident when Sanchez is on the mound, then I'm very concerned. So the big question mark and may be the whole stumbling block for the year is putting Sanchez on the mound as a starter. So you, you think he should be a reliever still? 
or you don't even think he should he, be he, there? He, look, Sanchez has to be effective. Yeah. Right? I don't care what role, you know, you're a good team because guys are put in a position and they're effective. And the problem that I have is that, you know, every time that, you know, Sanchez took the mound, uh, his ball was seemed to fly straight when it was supposed to go left or right. And he was ineffective. And, uh, and to me, I'm a read guy. I'm not reading what's actually going on with one guy. I'm reading how the whole group is interacting. So, you know, uh, you know, I told you the story. I mean, I knew Brett Laurie didn't fit because, uh, you know, there was, they were on defense, there was an out, and they're going around the horn like they normally do. They throw the ball to Laurie. The ball goes in the dugout. Oh boy! Right, that that that's normally an indicator that something's not right. All right, so it's the same thing with Sanchez. Read your catcher. We got an experienced catcher, one of the top guys in the league, and he acts a little bit different when Sanchez is on the mound because he does not know what the kid's going to throw at him. We're going to talk about the Blue Jays when we come back again. We got to go for a commercial. We'll see you in a few minutes. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when they got up in my grill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerotti with two toppings per, plus ten chicken wings, I say for sure. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. That's nineteen ninety nine. A deal, for real, a steal. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Yo, visit pizzaville.ca or pound 3636 from your cell phone, word. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. 
Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We have Butch Carter and Lou Franceschetti in studio. We've got the last six minutes to go on the show today, guys. And uh, we covered the Blue Jays, almost covered them. Question about Marcus Stroman. Uh, is he a number? Is he going to be a legitimate number one? Is that going to pan out? He shows that he is, but still has to prove it. Well, Which, I think a lot of time was going to tell uh, with Marcus. He's probably their their ace in the hole right now, especially the way he pitched last September and in the playoffs last year. That if he comes back and has the kind of year that they are expecting from him when they drafted him uh, in the first round out of Duke, uh, he could be definitely their number one. Uh, and he's just going to fill in the numbers, uh, the inning numbers that uh, Mark Burley gave you the year before. Butch? Uh, jury's still out. You know, Stroh is uh, he is your millennial kid that um, is so attached to the fan base. Um, but in baseball, you get so many opportunities that you have to perform, and it makes it hard. So, you know, you're taking a guy like Burley that was guaranteed 200 innings and Stroh's already been injured in his young career. So um, he has to find a way to get through the season successfully. Um, but you take Burley out and you take Price out, you know, there's there's a big hole there pitching-wise from an experience standpoint. Yeah, that's where I see the issue because I I don't know if their pitching is going to last, and I'm a little concerned that they don't have enough of it. Well, you never, as they say, you never have enough pitching, right? Well, you got to remember that uh, they're going to have Estrada for a full year in the starting uh, rotation this year, where last year they only had him, uh, I think he was in the first two months he was in the bullpen. And their ace in the hole this year is going to be the kid that they got out of uh, Oakland, Chavez. They think that he could be the next uh, Estrada uh, and hopefully come in and pitch uh, 180 to 200 innings. And going back to Stroh, uh, how's his arm going to handle pitching 200 innings? Because he's never done it before in his career. So there is going to be a liability there also. Butch, uh, let's talk about pitching arms. And I asked uh, some of the old major leaguers about this. You know, in the old days, they used to pitch nine innings. And uh, Tommy John surgery, you never saw it when we were kids, right? All of a sudden, everybody's getting hurt all over the place. And uh, what do you think is the cause of that, Butch? Two things. One, the old guys didn't have guaranteed contracts, took better care of themselves, and were just structured tougher. Uh, second is these pitchers are torquing their arms with different pitches at a younger age. Um, so, you know, a rubber band's only got so many pulls in it. And, you know, it's just anatomically um, they're seeing these guys that, you know, their rubber bands are, are breaking. So I think it's two things. You can't look plain in the air in which uh, uh, Lou and I played. Guys didn't have guaranteed money. They were locked in. They were focused to feed their family, to pay for their house note, to drive their car. They were locked in. So this day and age, um, an abundance of guaranteed contracts throughout all sports and the fact that more kids are 
being asked to do stuff at an earlier age than than we ever thought about. So they're pitching uh, a lot at the age of 11 and 12, I'm sure, and uh, they're probably concentrating on one sport. Is that what you're getting at? Well, they're pitching with two, trying to teach a kid at, at 12, 13 years old to have two or three pitches, which is crazy. Yeah, And I think there's a third thing that you look at uh, where professional athletes have gone right now, and I don't think the pitchers of the, of the late 60s and, and 50s never had a workout regimen. And when you, when you work out, your muscles get tense and they get stretched and they get firm. And it's just like anybody. When you get a tight muscle, it's very easy to bend it and, and, and snap it. Then when if you just pick up a ball, let's say you, you drop, you finish one season at, uh, in April and you don't pick up another ball until uh, till August, it's more or less it's just one of those things that your your muscles are, are getting loose. They're not already tight from working out in the summer as uh, some of the players nowadays. You're getting a lot of pulled muscles. You're getting a lot of hamstring. You're getting a lot of uh, abs uh, getting injured. So uh, I think that could be, that might might not be a big thing, but it's it's I think it's something that uh, they have to look at. I see one position on the Jays that we have to talk about is the catcher's position. I see Martin, as, obviously he's the number one catcher and a great catcher. But we have a deficiency at number two. How much is that going to affect the Jays, Louis? I think it's going to have a large effect because I don't know whether Russell Martin's ready to go 150 or 140 games. Uh, and they got Josh Tolley there just to handle uh, uh, R.A. Dickey's uh, 20 to 30 start. So... Also, they're going to miss uh, Navarro. They're going to miss his left-handed bat in that lineup. Uh, that's a big key right there. Uh, I don't think they even have a, uh, a backup uh, catcher right now that they can that they can slot in for maybe twenty or thirty games when uh, when Russell Martin's probably DHing or taking the day off. Yeah, that's one spot. I, I'm not sure they they've got covered yet. Butch, what do you think? Navarro was a big piece because uh, Navarro Estrada became lethal. Right, you've got two guys, uh, Spanish-speaking guys. They got on the same page very quickly, and the reason I really am concerned about that is that Estrada never had that anywhere before. And then they got into a good re- uh, rhythm, where um, you had a backup catcher, starting catcher, and so Russell got the rest, and he, and there was no no issue. He, he understood. Okay. You, I can't catch all these games, and I got a guy that I like, and he likes me, and he's doing a good job. So I don't have to come back in and be Superman. So I, I think that that rhythm, uh, and a lot of times in with management, they underestimate the rhythm that goes on between players. So I think he was extremely important to the pitching staff, and also he had a his left hand bat just seemed to come on at the right time when we needed him. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And the, the thing was, Martin got hurt at, at the end of last year, and they were able to rest him, and Navarro played a key role. And they don't have that. I would not feel comfortable with Tolley going for three or four weeks as the as the catcher. That's not uh, not good for the team, I'm sure. Well, it's going to be a situation where Tolley's only going to catch Ari Dickey. And when he gives you his 20 to 30 starts a year, uh, and what we're saying about Estrada, it's just the, it's a comfort uh, thing there. Uh, Estrada felt very comfortable with Navarro behind the home plate. Now you're saying that, uh, well, I'm paying Russell Martin eight twenty million million, and he, he's only going to handle three, four, and five pitches instead of all five pitches because he's not going to go when Dickey's going to go. And obviously, uh, we'll see how he does with Estrada. Well, guys, thanks for coming in today. Next week, Wally will be back, and we will have captain, former captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Doug Gilmore. See you next week.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.